Reactions can be funny, right? Something happens, it looks funny. Uh, uh, just recently, uh, my son Nathaniel fell down off his bike, and uh, he was jumping in front of his sister's portrait of the trail we were on, and he was trying to be funny, and he fell off his bike, and he broke his finger. So when he fell down, at first he was laughing. So we laughed too. But then we realized this laughing turned to almost... He didn't start crying. That would be really embarrassing if I told the whole church he was crying. Uh, but he wasn't crying. He was just like, oh, it hurts. Uh, so reactions are different for everybody. I, I know sometimes uh, uh, we lived in... And when we lived in Newfoundland, we would occasionally get mice in our house because we were bringing lots of wood in to burn. And I assure you, my wife's reaction to mice in the house is hysterical. She's, she's not a friend with mice, okay? Uh, and there's other things that we see that are very funny. Uh, I, and some of them are very emotional. I uh, remember seeing just a, recently a YouTube video about a fellow from Africa who hadn't seen his mom in 10 years. And she came home and was at home, and he didn't know it. And his brother was there. He hadn't seen him in three years, and he was hugging on his brother and things. Then he came around the corner and saw his mom, and he just fell to the ground crying. Just so emotion and just a reaction. It was, it was very heartwarming, very uh, emotional, but that was a reaction. So we all have reactions to things. And in, in Jonah chapter 4, we're going to see the reaction of Jonah. Uh, and we have already gone through the book. This is the last chapter. We've uh, been through most of it already. Uh, and we've learned valuable lessons, I believe. So in the first chapter, we saw that God tells Jonah, I have a message for you. And uh, Jonah goes the opposite direction. He didn't want nothing to do with the message. And storm comes up. He's tossed into the sea. The storm stops. The sailors give glory to God. Jonah in chapter 2 is in the belly of a big fish, a whale. And he has an intense prayer meeting for three days and three nights in the belly of that fish. Chapter 3, Jonah gets to the city of Nineveh. He faithfully preaches the message of, and revival breaks forth in the city. The city gets things right with God. And now in chapter 4, we're going to see Jonah's reaction. Verse number 1 of Jonah chapter number 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Dost thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and where he made a booth and sat under it in the shadow until he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd made to come up over Jonah and it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was seeing the glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that... God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, and he fainted. And he wished himself to die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast pity on the gourd. 
for which thou hast not labored, neither madest grow, whether uh, which came up in night and perished in uh, in the night. And should I not spare Nineveh, the great city, wherein are more than threescore thousands persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and also much cattle. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for another time. Lord, I pray that we'll learn some valuable lessons from your scriptures this evening. Lord, I pray that you help us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The first thing we see is the prophet's rage. We see the very first verse, the phrase, very angry. He was burning with anger. And I was thinking about in life, you know, sometimes things happen and you get very angry. I can remember this one situation. It was, for lack of a better word, it was burnt into my memory. Uh, I was about 10 years old. Uh, the church that I attended had a camp. It was a very primitive camp. There was hardly any running water. It was a really outdoorsy type camp, if you know what I'm trying to say. And uh, we, we went out there every summer for a few weeks, and it was sports time. So... As 10-year-old, I think our ages were like 10 to 12 uh, age group. And uh, it was sports time, and one of our counselors picked tackle football for our activity. And, I mean, at 10, 11 years old, I mean, tackling other guys and not getting in trouble was fantastic news, you know. We just wanted to play this game. Who cares? It was all about knocking another person down. And uh, so we, uh, we were having a great time. And about halfway through the football game, uh, the counselor who picked it actually played uh, college football in the United States. Uh, and uh, he was back counseling us. He was from our church. And about halfway through, he got the ball. And about, I don't know, seven, eight of us, 10, 11-year-olds, jumped him, for lack of better words. And we got him to the ground, and even more guys got on top of him. And... Uh, we thought that, you know, hey, you used to be a football player. You can handle this. I mean, you're a tough fella and things. Um, have you ever noticed that, like, 10-year-olds don't usually engage their brains very much? I mean, just to be really honest here, like, our brains were not engaged, okay? That was a really bad idea, like 10 of us jumping on one person. Uh, so we all jumped on him, and uh, it was almost like a scene from, uh, you know, a uh, comic book or something, you see little bodies flying everywhere, the superhero comes out, he's throwing us off him, him and, and he wasn't doing it in a playful manner, he was mad. I mean, his face was the reddest I think I've ever seen on a person. I mean, he was mad. And I still remember all of us little guys running away. I mean, it was as fast as our little legs could go, and I think a couple guys climbed trees and everything, just running away from this guy. He was so mad. So mad. I never forgot it. And I read this portion of Scripture, and I think that Jonah was even madder than that counselor that day. He was so mad. He was mad. He, was, he probably was never as mad as this time in his life. And he knew that God's not going to kill the people in Nineveh, though he wanted it. And you think, why would you want that? Jonah, why are you so excited about so many people dying? Come on, Jonah. Well, I think there's a number of reasons why. and This is my surmising. One of the true marks of a prophet. So there's lots of false prophets, right? In Jonah's day and after him and before him, there was false prophets. The mark of a true prophet is that his prophecy came to fulfillment. 
Right? That, that was a true mark. You're a true prophet because you're, what you said happened. And that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 20 to 22. Jonah had said that the Ninevites would be overthrown in Jonah chapter 3, verse 4. If this did not happen, then Jonah could and would be looked upon as a false prophet. That's not something you want on your resume as a prophet. That your word did not come true. The word that was delivered to you, you said it was delivered from God, and now it doesn't happen. It doesn't look good on Jonah. His fellow Jews and nation as a whole I'll be pretty angry with him at delivering a message of salvation that they accepted. The Jews didn't like the Ninevites. They didn't like the Assyrian Empire. They liked to see them disappear. And remember, this nation was wicked and extremely cruel and brutal. I mean, maybe he thought some of his uh, friends back in Israel would view him as a traitor to bring salvation to these people. He brought a prophecy of success to Israel, but bringing a message of salvation to a bunch of Gentiles wasn't going to win him any awards back in Israel. You know, he wasn't going to walk into Jerusalem and ever be like, "Come on over to my place for lunch, Jonah. We want to have a we want to have a conversation with you about your journeys to that wicked place in Nineveh." He knew that if he came back from there with the city destroyed, he would be like a hero. You know, he, he would have been something. He would have been, you know, he would have been the best prophet the Israelites ever knew. After reading through this book, I don't know how many times I've read through the book of Jonah. I, I've read this book many, many times, and I might be wrong. I mean, we're all wrong on occasion. But I don't think Jonah had any love for the people of Nineveh. I, I don't know if the word hate it would be too strong a word for it, but he definitely did not like them. We see in his heart. Well, I mean, he was mad that they were alive. I mean, that wasn't like, I love Ninevites. I'm so mad they're alive. No, if you loved them, you'd be so excited. You wouldn't be outside on the hillside under a gourd waiting for God to destroy them. You'd be in the city rejoicing with them. At least I would. You know, this is great. The Lord has provided salvation. I think the only thing that would have pleased Jonah at this moment was to see the fire come down from heaven and destroy that city. Because I think he did not like the Ninevites. Now, before we get too hard on old Jonah, maybe we need to look at our own lives, examine how we respond to the Lord working in our lives out His will. His will. Not ours, but His will in our lives. Sometimes we can get a little contrary. We can get upset. We can get crooked in the sense we're not happy with what God's doing. We can get angry. How many times have we reacted negatively or even with anger when God did something that wasn't part of our plans? I think it's wise to have plans. If you don't plan, you're not going to do anything. But sometimes the plans get changed. And we need to be understanding that God has a greater plan. We can lay some things out and God can change them on us. And I found the Lord does a lot of that changing for you. So we need to make sure that we're keeping the right heart attitude when those things happen. Now, we're facing a greater-than-ever divide amongst people in cultures. Uh, and it just seems to be really coming to a head in recent days. And, and, you know, we are never given the right to hate anybody else. Never. That is never the right of any individual to hate somebody else. 
that's not part of anything of the Word of God. We need to love one another. We need to love one another. I'm going to tell you a story. This happened back in the war, Second World War. A fellow by the name of Lanier Phillips, Mr. Phillips, was a crew member on the USS Tuxton in February 1942. They were sailing to England. And his boat, along with the USS Pollux, uh, was shipwrecked on the south coast of Newfoundland. And that night, uh, individuals, citizens of the town of St. Lawrence, rescued Mr. Phillips along with many others. Unfortunately, many did drown that night, but numerous folks were saved by the efforts of the citizens of St. Lawrence. He was taken home and given a warm bath. I mean... February in the Atlantic is a bad place to be, like in the water, and that's where he was. They brought him back to warm him up, and as he tells the story, the, the woman were, that were giving him a rough scrub trying to get him all uh, cleaned up, and, and the reality was that Mr. Phillips was a black man from Georgia. And he was afraid that they would stop trying to help him once they found out that this black wasn't coming off because that was my color. He said, once the people realized he's black, he said, they still continue to help me and treat me just like anybody else. And Mr. Phillips experienced racism massively as growing up in the, in the southern United States. And he said he was overwhelmed by the kindness and the generosity of the people in Newfoundland. And he said he cre- uh, credits the event with changing his life and teaching him that racism could be overcome. doesn't matter the color of your skin. You know, Mr. Phillips went on to raise money and built a hospital in that little town. It's a pretty amazing story. Uh, I, I know you can find it on Wikipedia and things. It would be worth your while to read. I don't believe that Mr. Phillips ever accepted Christ as Savior, but he was changed by love of a group of people who didn't, didn't matter to them. And I'm not saying that Newfoundlanders got it all right, but it's an interesting story. We never have the right to be racist. We never have the right... To say, I don't like that culture. I mean, I don't like those people. No. Hey, God created all, amen? Every one of us He created. And on purpose. Every culture, every people, every nation needs the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to be showing that love to one another. That, 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 that's just that's a reality. That's our job. That's what we need to be doing. That's our duty. And to, to show them the love of Jesus Christ. And you can't show them the love of Jesus Christ if you don't like them. That's impossible. And they'll find out real quick if you care about them or you love them. They'll know. Yeah, show it to them. You know, I, I grew up, uh, listen, growing up in Newfoundland, I, I can remember, like, having uh, spaghetti and meatballs. That was a truly international dinner. I mean, we were so white in my community. I mean, uh, the only people that came to our community was ones who were doctors because we couldn't have enough doctors, and they weren't there for very long. They were shipping somewhere else once their contract was up. You know, the reality is it doesn't matter where you're from. You can still love everybody. All right, you can love people. And I understand there's going to be people that don't want it. That's fine. That doesn't give you a reason not to show it. Keep showing the love of Jesus Christ. Christ, perhaps we need to remember the counsel of the Word of God. The steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. That's in Psalms 37, 23. Uh, 23 sorry. A good man or a good woman love all people, no matter their color, their culture, or their nation. Doesn't matter. Does not matter. I'm so glad that Jesus Christ died that all might be saved. 
And that's our responsibility to proclaim that message. I'll be honest. I mean, we're pretty international, and I'm thankful for that. But I would love to see way more people from all around the world in our church. And I hope anybody comes through our door and says, this is a friendly church. They care about us. I mean, I understand that we're going to have, you know, we're going to have our friends that we hang around with more. I understand that. I get that. But the reality is when people come to our church, they need to know that they're loved. And we're, what we're trying to do is show an example of Christ's love. Amen. And just show them that the Jesus cares. So we see the prophet was pretty angry. He was pretty resentment. He has a lot of resentment as well. Verse number two, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto the Tarshish, for I knew that thou art gracious God, and merciful and slow to anger and great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. Jonah tells the Lord that this is what he knew would happen at the beginning. He knew this was going to happen. So this is the, this is the reason why I ran away in the beginning. Now, do you get the idea from verse number two that he is throwing himself a first-class pity party? This is a grown man. This is not an eight-year-old or a ten-year-old who didn't get that whatever they wanted from Walmart. No, this is a grown man who's upset because God saved the city. I mean, talk about resentment in his heart. Jonah didn't get his way, and now he wants God to know that he's upset, and he's hurt, and he's angry. So he, he so, so deeply that he, he, tempt, he tempts to take it out on the Lord. I mean... Wow, what are you doing, Jonah? What are you thinking? I read this statement uh, a couple of weeks ago. I thought it was good, uh, a good statement. Just in case you don't know, your arms are too short to box with God. The idea, you might be upset with God, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not going to change anything. You know, you're, you're not going to change it. Just because he, you know, he doesn't order life the way that we sh- he thinks it should be, he doesn't give us a reason to get all ups- uh, upset with the Lord. And get lined up and say, come here, God, I want to give you a piece of my mind. He's really off base here. Now, church family, nobody likes life sometimes, right? We get up one morning and things change. And we don't like it. We don't like what life brings all the time. But those who love the Lord, the deepest are those who remember that God always knows what's best. And He always does what's best for His children. Do you believe that God loves you? I believe it. Maybe you're here today and say, I don't really know. Well, I'm going to tell you from God's Word. He says He does. And I do not understand why He does the things He does. I don't have answers. I, I know some great people who, uh, you know, husband and wife have passed away and they were great missionaries and things. I don't understand that. I mean, why, Lord? Why? I don't, I don't understand it. I don't have the answer. But I know God has a plan. And it gives me great comfort to know that. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who will call according to His purpose. I do know that the safest and sanest course of action is one of humble obedience and submission in our lives to whatever God brings our way. I think about Job. I mean, he lost everything. But he followed God. He wasn't perfect, but he followed God. He just continued that path. And we always need to make sure that our heart is being strengthened. By the Lord. By the Lord. And not, not, I mean, I love, I appreciate all the friends and, uh, and the pastoral staff we have here and, uh, and other friends that are cross Canada and I appreciate them and I can talk to them. They can encourage my heart. But at the end of the day, it better be the Lord encouraging my heart or my, I'm going to fail. 
I need the Lord. I mean, I need these other people too, but I need the Lord first of all. And we need to be going to Him and, and seeing what He has for us and getting in His Word and being encouraged by it. You know, if you would have came to my house ten years ago in Newfoundland, you would have sat down in my living room, had a huge big bay window and overlooking the Humber River and it was a big hill. I mean, it might have been a mountain. I don't know exactly the how, how tall it has to be to be a mountain, but it's a big hill crossed from the river. Uh, and we sat down in my living room and we had a cup of tea because that's what you do in Newfoundland. You drink tea. You don't drink coffee, okay? And he sat down in my living room and I would have gave you a cup of tea and then you would have told me, Pastor Alcock, in 10 years you're going to be in, in Mississauga and going to be our pastor. I probably would have spewed my tea out and said, you're crazy. This is where the Lord has me for my rest of my life. That's what I believed at that time. But, I mean, seriously, that's what I thought. But the Lord had different plans. He had a different plan. He had, he had better plans. That doesn't mean it was easy, though. doesn't mean it was easy. I can remember reading uh, the book that Jessica wrote about her and her family moving to Canada from the Philippines. And I have to be honest, uh, I shed a tear a little bit just to, just to how great, and it really helped me get an understanding of how great uh, immigrating from one place to the other is. I mean, I never thought about it before. I've always lived in Canada. I mean, it, so it's really hard for me to understand that. And, and so it was, wasn't easy for me to move from Newfoundland to here. And it was trials and different things. I, I can't imagine how much different it would be from moving from Philippines or wherever else, India, wherever else you're from, to Canada. But was God's plan better? I hope so. I hope you can say that. And maybe, maybe you're not quite there yet. Uh, I gotta be honest, the first couple of years I was here, I was like, I can't wait to get back to Newfoundland. This is just a short-term posting. This is not it. But I'm still here. And I know this is where God wants us to be. You know, just follow God's will. And again, it's not always easy. Well, just keep following. The prophet's request. And he, and Jonah's really, he's really having himself quite the party here, pity party. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. I mean, he, he's not even hiding it. I mean, he's just so blunt. God, kill me. Take me. You know, he, he wasn't the first one to have these types of thoughts, and sadly, he won't be the last one. You know, Moses and Elijah both prayed for the same things in Numbers 11 and 1 Kings 19. He wanted God to kill him because he didn't, he didn't get his way. For lack of a better word, I mean, that's all I can see from the Scripture. I don't see any other reason just because he didn't get what he thought he should get. He wanted to give up on life itself. Now, that's a sad commentary, isn't it? Why, Jonah? Just think for a moment. How many people have uh, been uh, put uh, their testimony, uh, put forth their testimony, and given their life to serve God? And here you are. You don't get what you want. You want to die. And what you wanted was the city to be destroyed. Come on, Jonah. And we need to be obeying God and going forward with Him. You know, the Word of God tells us it's better to uh, it's better to obey than sacrifice and to hearken in the fat of rams. We need to obey. His request was absolutely foolish. I mean, it was the height of uh, pride and selfishness and a pity on himself. 
So then in verse number 4, the Lord responds and said, The Lord, dost thou well to be angry? And the answer is no. Jonah didn't answer it. So then we see he went outside the city, got himself uh, some shade from a gourd, and made a booth and things there. Uh, and so that's where he is. After Jonah is confronted about his anger, he doesn't change his mind. We don't see any repentance, right, in verse number 4, between 4 and 5. He just goes out to the city, climbs the hill. Um, have you ever noticed somebody who's um, upset about how they're being treated? Have you ever noticed? I'll give you a little demonstration. Right? That's an eight-year-old version. But some adults let the eight-year-old vision, uh, version come out too. Now I can see he's just stomping up that hill. He's so mad and he plumps himself down on that rock and he's folding his arms and sneering and everything else at the city. He's not happy at all. He's probably hoping that God will change his mind. Jonah does not get his way about Nineveh, so he doesn't get his way about dying, so he starts to pout. He is truly acting like a four-year-old. He's not acting like a prophet of God. That acting like a little person who didn't get their way. Now, we need to make sure that we're not like Jonah, folks. Now, let's make sure that we're not walking around pouting. Maybe you're not, well, pastor, I would never do that in church. But maybe it's going on in your heart. Maybe you're thinking, I deserve better than this. I deserve this. I, I, that, that should be what I get. And that's what, you know, and so forth and so on. And we're not submitting ourselves to the will of the Lord for our lives. And maybe we're getting to a point where I'm just going to quit. God's not giving me what I want. I'm going to quit. I'm going to get underneath my shade and just sit there. Well, no, that's not right either, is it? Absolutely not. The Lord desires for us to go forward. Uh, I understand that there will be disappointments, right? Anybody else been disappointed here in life? You all better raise your hand. Thank you, Sarah. She's the only one that's honest with me right now. <laughs> all of us have faced disappointments. All of us have faced discouragements. Every one of us. But that doesn't translate into disobedience. Just because I'm disappointed doesn't give me the right to disobey what God told me to do. Or oh, it definitely does not give me the right to desert. Say, I'm out. I'm done serving God. I'm going to go get my gourd and I'm going to sit outside the city. I'm going to do whatever I want. No. And folks, it's a really unwise, uh, one wise idea to go against what God has laid out for your life. Because you're going to lose that war every time. You will lose the battle. So don't even bother. I'm not saying that you don't need to take, you get hurt and things, you, you take a breather and you get back on track. That's absolutely correct. You know, just take a moment and take some time. Uh, get things, okay, I'm ready to go again. And there's times where we can't do certain things. That's fine as well. But the reality is we're not deserting. We're not leaving because we're not getting our own way. Now let's serve Jesus Christ. Let's go forward. I mean, I'm really, uh, the response from the Lord is, is miraculously tender. It's miraculously tender. Verse number 6, The Lord God prepared a gourd that made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head, deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd. This is the Lord extending grace to Jonah, which just a few verses ago uh, was, you know, was mad at God. He was angry at God. 
And the, the Lord graciously allows the vine to grow over the prophet's hut there and, and things to give him shelter and comfort. Isn't it a blessing to know that even when we walk outside the will of the Lord, He still takes care of us? I mean, we shouldn't want to walk outside the will of the Lord, but He still takes care of us because we're still His children. He still cares about us. And I think about Peter and the disciples. They walked outside the will of God numerous times, but the Lord was there to help them and protect them and bless them and help them get back on the right track. How many times has He continued to bless and use you even when you weren't doing right? Yeah, you're you're fading off the track a little bit. You weren't where you need to be. Thank God for His grace. Amen. I think we forget about that grace too quickly. We take it for granted. We need to be thankful. More of the law entered that offense might be abound, but when sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And we need to be thankful and praise the Lord for that. Verse number 7, But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and smote the gourd that, that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah and he fainted and wished in himself to die. And it said, it's better for me to die than to live. He's getting a little dramatic again, isn't he? Now, just as Jonah was beginning to enjoy that vine, enjoy that shade, God sent the worm to destroy the vine. And Jonah gets more angry. And he gets really upset. And this time, God sets the record straight. Now, last time, Jonah mouthed off, didn't he? He told God what he thought, and that was it. Now the Lord's saying, hey, this is it. This is the deal, Jonah. And he sets it straight. He reminds Jonah that Jonah cared more about the vine. Verse 9, God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. I mean, talk about brazen. Uh, is that a term you folks use? Bra- That's something I grew up with. If you were a little bit saucy to an adult, you were like, you're brazen. Don't you do that anymore. This is what Jonah is doing. He's being brazen. He's being very, very inappropriate. It's not right. He's, his heart is showing. Then said the Lord, Thou hast pity on the gourd for which thou hast not labored, neither make it grow where it came up at night and perish in a night. And shall I not spare Nineveh, the great city, wherein the more than threescore thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and also much cattle? He reminds Jonah that Jonah cared more about a vine than he did about the souls of the people of Nineveh. Talk about mixed up priorities, right? I care about a vine more than a thousand, hundreds of thousands of people in the city. The people made an image of God and the people who would perish, you know, he didn't care about that. He cared about a plant. And he wished that God had not intervened to save those people. You know, every time I read this portion of Scripture, I do feel a hint of conviction. Why? Because sometimes I can seem to have that same attitude about my life and my time. I tend to get upset when things don't go the way I want them to go. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one here like that. You know, I'm, I got this timetable. I want to get this done and, you know, and this thing here and, you know, and, and it doesn't go and I'm upset. Think about the last time, the last thing that made you mad, made you angry. And I thought just about this this week, and I started asking myself, and I asked this question, will it matter in 10 minutes? Will it matter in 10 hours? Will it matter in 10 days? 
Will it matter in 10 years? And most of it does not matter. But I get my blood pressure up pretty quick. And I get upset. And I lose track of what's really important. I get my priorities mixed up. I mean, I don't get it mixed up for the city of Toronto to get saved. No, I'd be excited about that. That's not the situation. But it's still the same thing. I get my priorities mixed up. The coffee's more important than talking to this person. Ouch. Sometimes I can fall into that trap. Or this convenience is more important than this. You know, so we just need to watch out. What really matters as we pass through this life is finding God's will for our life and then walking it with His power. Amen? That's the most important. Absolutely the most important. You understand that there's people in our city today who are dying and going to hell. It's happening right now. They're dying and going to hell. And I need to make sure that I'm not worrying about vines and comforts more about those things than those people who are lost without Jesus. Because I can fall in that trap. I can get my priorities mixed up. I need to make sure that what I'm doing pleases Him. And I'm doing the work that He's laid out for me to do in my time, in this world, for Him. Make you perfect in every good work to do His will, uh, working in that which is well-pleasing in His sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, it's a good thing to do this evening is just to stop and analyze and look and see what is grabbing my attention. What am I focused on? What takes my time, my effort, my resources, my money, whatever it is? It's sad that Jonah's attention was not to the people of Nineveh, he didn't care much about their eternal destiny, which is so sad. Which is so sad. I think really that came down to is he cared more about his reputation as a prophet. And he, I believe he had some prejudice that he carried with him that were wrong. And I hope we can learn something from his life. I hope that when we hear the call of God calls us to go to the Nineveh of our day, whatever that is, that we won't run away from God, we'll follow Him right away. It won't be easy, right? I'm not preaching it will be easy. No, it will not be easy. But the safest place for you is where God wants you to be. In God's spot. Be there. And follow Him. And understand what God's will is for our life is best for our life. And that's what really matters. That's what really matters. It's time to put aside all the things that could, uh, that can or will cloud our vision to follow the Lord. You know, you know them. Everybody's different. Everybody has something different going on. It's time we put aside our, our hurts. Now, I'm not saying that you should never get hurt because that's not true. We all get hurt in life, but our hurts do not excuse us from serving Jesus Christ. You know, put aside our desires if they don't fit into God's will. And make sure that our will is what God wants us to do and just go forward. You know, Jonah suffered because he didn't care about God's will. That's how he ended up in the belly of the fish, right? Because he didn't care about God's will. We do not have to make the mistakes of Jonah. We don't have to do that. But I think it's really important that we analyze our life to make sure that we care about what God cares about. Because if we don't care about what God cares about, We'll react the same way that we've seen Jonah tonight. 
I think we've all have seen people who have been very self-centered and react similar. It's all about them, right? It's all about me. It should never be all about us. It's all about the Lord. And that's what it should be. And I encourage you just to examine your heart. And to go back and read the story of Jonah again to make sure, hey, I don't want to go down that path. I don't want to, I don't, I don't need that time to do those same things. Let's use the time that God's given you to the greatest ability that the Lord gives you to analyze, to use for Him. And not to go down the path that Jonah went. We don't have to. Let's follow Jesus to see. Dear Jesus, thank you for another time you've given to us. And thank you for the book of Jonah. And there's no doubt that Jonah, uh, did wrong. He did not serve you as he could have or he should have. And Lord, help us, Lord, not to be too concerned about our reputation. Let us not have any prejudices that are not what your word tells us. We need to love everybody. Help us not to have any. Help us to be going forward for you and following your will for our life. Lord, let's just take a time to examine our hearts. And make sure there's nothing stopping us from following You. Following You to the spot that You would have for us. Lord, I pray You'd encourage our hearts now to serve You. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.